Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hi, and welcome back. You've made the choice to return to Buffy Virgin. We have a special episode tonight, Choices. With us, as always, is Michael the Virgin Poli. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. I've only seen up to Choices. We're so close to the end of season three. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. We have Doc Trav. Michael had no choice but to be here, but I did. And I chose Buffy, as always. And playing the part of John Teach Lando this week is David Smallville Yoder. Hello, thanks for having me on again. I'm, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, David is just playing himself. Uh, John is out. He's at a watcher's retreat this weekend. Um, <laughs> but we are very happy to have... From the Smallville podcast, somebody saved me from this podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, let's begin this episode with reactions. Audience reactions. We had a pretty positive week uh, on Twitter, at least. Uh, people liked um, my drawings I posted. So Buffy Angel, Buffy Angel Show said, cool. Um, Dark Faith or Dark Slayer, aka Faith Lahane ninety one, um, asked if I was an illustrator and said she was an illustrator too, and liked the crocodile illustration and the one where Faith and Buffy were dancing together. Obviously, all the all the Faith drawings went over well. We actually had a really nice conversation. <laughs> She's from Brazil, um, and is a good artist. Uh, but I didn't get permission to like say her real name, so I will save that. And um, Dingo Action uh, said uh, tough in negotiations about my Skylar drawing. Uh, that's all the reactions <laughs> I found this week. I feel like Dingo Action has been listening for a long time. But maybe yeah, long time listener. Yeah, thank you. Action. Um, thank you for staying around. Usually post something funny. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the summary. The summary. The unconventional father-daughter relationship of a mayor and a slayer continues as Richard Wilkins III gives Faith the gift of a crazy-looking knife. She <laughs> loves it. She loves it so much she has to smell it. Meanwhile, in the less crazy part of town, it's that difficult time of senior year where everyone is finding out what college they got into. Willow got into everywhere. <laughs> Xander got into a book for the first time in his life. And Buffy got into an actual good school, Northwestern. Her father figure slash former watcher Giles couldn't be prouder. Aww. But can she leave Sunnydale? Not with the mayor and former friend Faith still knifing around. So it's time for B to get proactive. Faith has just done some quality airport murder for Wilkins and procured a large box of mysteries. But before she can quote seven at you, the, the Scooby box? gang break into the mayor's office and steal it. <laughs> Who says he can't fight City Hall? Only problem? Willow got caught. What's more important, sweet, lovable Willow, or the box and its many magical mysteries? Oz and Buffy say Willow, so a swap is set for the high school cafeteria. To think, only last week Buffy was slapping around the lunch lady and her rat poison treats right there. The trade goes relatively smoothly, but like Jello, there's always room for more trouble. And Snyder bursts in with the police. Well, the box gets open. And what's in the box? Spiders. Lots of spiders. Faith stabs one with her new best friend, Mr. Knifey, and loses it. Everyone goes back to their sides, and Willow is safe. She's also made a decision. You see Sunnydale. Willow and Buffy will, will matriculate together. Wow. I love <laughs> all, the, all of that. Was love the sound effects. Thanks. I was trying to up my game a little for, uh, to compete with John and Mike's. I like that instead of sound effects like from a library, I feel like everything was made with your mouth. Yes. Mm -hmm. spider effect. Was it that obvious? <laughs> what was that spider effect? <laughs> oh, I could tell. I was like, that's his mouth sounds. <laughs> <laughs> that was lovely. 
Uh, thank you. Um, so now you know what happened this episode. Uh, but what was everybody's favorite lines? Great lines. David? Oh, uh, I liked, what are you, the narrator? Faith? Yeah, that was a good line. That's an awesome line, David. Yeah. I like uh, Xander going, we bohemian anti-establishment types have always been persecuted. Well, sure. You're all so weird. <laughs> and, uh, I think it was Buffy's assessment of the mayor. Big, stupid, evil guy. <laughs> um, I love when Willow was, uh, in, was being captured. And she goes, hey, did you get permission to eat the hostage? I don't think so. You're going to be in so much trouble when the mayor gets and <laughs> <laughs> So good. And then also the mayor to Faith. Did you ever have a dog? I did. Rusty, an Irish setter, swell little pooch. It's like, what is happening? That's <laughs> like, we know uh, from two episodes ago that uh, Faith always wanted a dog, but never had one. <laughs> Look how she, even, even she was thrown as like the non sequitur from the mayor. Like, I was like, love it. swell little pooch. Swell little pooch. I, uh, I liked uh, Willow's uh, weird recap of her experience being kidnapped, which is like, so Faith is like, I'm going to beat you up and I'm all, I'm not afraid of you. She had the knife, so she was less fun. But oh, I told her, you made your choice. Buffy was your friend. And then like Giles is just like, please tell me something. You know. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's the emotional component. It is an, it's like, it's such an adorable in episode recap. We rarely get in episodes. <laughs> she did like the summary almost. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like that, you know, her describing it isn't what we've seen exactly. how you would enthusiastically tell the story yeah also it's like yeah she's such a big smile i mean obviously yes if you're rescued your story is going to be really you know you're like oh it's going to be a fun story uh so this episode i've moved the kill count up to the beginning of the episode to try that out so the kill count the kill count two humans including faith's Second human murder, four confirmed vampires, one unconfirmed, uh, and the series' second vampire stake with a pencil. Uh, so congrats to Willow for that. Um, two, de- two dead spider demons, and a mentioned but not seen nest of fire demons. So there we go. Now you know what you're in for. <laughs> so the, the cop is one of those, right? There was a cop killed in the skirt? Yeah. Like, yeah. Stuff? Okay. Yeah, he gets spider-faced. All right, cool. All right, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. Faith loves that knife. Like, just her, I mean, the whole episode, she's like, any chance she can, she pulls it out. But just at the beginning where she's like sniffing it and she's like, this is a thing of beauty. Like, the mayor knows her so well. I've had that feeling before too. Like when you, I don't know, when you go to Ren Fairs and you're just like, oh, just that like lust after a weird fantasy knife. Yeah. I mean, you don't want it, but you're like, oh, that'd be so cool. Wait, My office mate, actually, you know, he's like a former Ren Faire knight. Oh. And we have a lot of like Renaissance swords and stuff. And he actually like had a custom built knife delivered at the delivered at the office one day. That was totally the kind of knife that would have been used for a ritual on Buffy. It's got like <laughs> this like emerald handle and stuff. They would have loved it on this show. Is that cool to have it work? Just curious. Uh, I mean, to have a knife. I guess if it's uh, a fantasy knife, it's not. Doesn't I mean, really like count. Three samurai swords and like a medieval sword. So the knife doesn't really put it over the edge in my office. <laughs> Which Renfair do you work at? <laughs> <laughs> no, my, he was a like a Renfair knight for like twenty years or something. Wow. I guess you never stop being a knight. Once a knight. Never a yeah. day. Yeah. You know, my wife worked in the Ren Fair stuff too, but all she has is like a little, like some leather stuff, leather belts and stuff. <laughs> he also, has some more he also still have his, like, has his armor in the office. <laughs> well, now he can suit up whenever he needs to, man. If he's getting attacked by <laughs> another former Renaissance knight, they're not going to go home to get their suits of armor. No, he's always, he also has some bat, he was also Batman, <laughs> Batman. for a while at, um, <laughs> Six Flags, and there's some Batman paraphernalia in the office. Oh, man. Do you work in a toy store? 
I feel like he works at this weird fantasy place. Yeah. Yoder's been there. He knows it's real. It's pretty much a toy store. <laughs> yeah. Just because I play with toys for a living. I did see that the Peanuts toys are in Happy Meals now. They are, yeah. I worked on those. Oh, cool. Go to McDonald's, get a Happy Meal. Tell them your friend worked on them. (laughs) (laughs) Is there some secret uh, thing only we would know that would signal that you did the work? Or is it just completely anonymous? I mean, I've worked really hard on on that project for like a year, but no, there's no secret code or anything. So I give him a special nod when I get to McDonald's. Just say, I'm loving it. Uh, hey, so uh, Willow's backpack, that's fucking rad, right? Like she has this fuzzy backpack in that weird scene where uh, Sanders reading. Uh, <laughs> it's really fun. Uh, yeah. it just like totally gave me a goth hot topic flashback. It's fantastic. All of the outfits to this episode are like on point. I know we'll yeah. get to that a little later. <laughs> uh, Yoder, you got the next one? Oh, yeah. So... Uh, when we go back to the mayor's office, he has cookies this time, but there's no milk in sight, as far as I could tell. That's true. Where is the room temperature milk? <laughs> well, it's odd to space those out so far, too. <clears throat> is that in the same scene where Faith gets the knife? Is the cookies? Yeah. yeah. Man, always got to have something weird to, like, this episode to, like, anytime. I mean, because, like, there's this weird element of violence and scariness, and then, of course, this cute, like... 1950s whatever this mayor character is like the contrast because anyway that's great we're like 1900s right what are they, oh yeah that's right we get Art four. yeah it's like damn this guy had to like the thing i spent the first five years of, of you know 2000 2005 not knowing what the hell it was supposed to be called it was the aughts yeah we know the aughts didn't blow up this century <clears throat> they will in the past when we reflect on them yeah, I'm looking forward to the Roaring Twenties. That's what I want to... Oh, there you go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Buffy got into Northwestern. Um, I have kind of a funny story about Northwestern, if you guys want to hear it. Uh, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, when my brother was in high school, he was like a real high achiever and everything. Um, like he had like a 4.2 and he like had a perfect SAT math and like a really high. So like he was getting into a lot of good colleges, but he did not get into Northwestern. And part of the problem was um, my mom was always helping him with this, with stuff. And she knew that uh, people reading college essays like humor. So she told him like, write something funny. And so for my brother, uh, humor for him is only like, like really like dismissive. So for every essay question that Northwestern asked, I think they asked like three or something. He just wrote these like one sentence answers. Was just <laughs> and then the only, it's funny, the only one I remember though is they, their question, their last question is, for future applicants, what question do you think we should ask? And his answer was, Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy had no hair. Fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't fuzzy. Was he? Uh, just, so that's how, even if you have good SATs and good math, you don't get into a good school. <laughs> you can still tank an S, still tank an application with some overly creative responses. Wow. I want to laugh, but that's so painful. That's harsh. That's yeah. really rough. Uh, somehow, yeah, you know, it was a little while before we really figured out. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. Did you guys have like a, like, did you guys deconstruct that and like go back like, Hey, what was that essay? What would your application look like? And he and he like pulled it out of a drawer. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is this is what I turned in." You know, it's like no, Liam. He was um, <laughs> proud of that one because he was like, "It's really funny." So he showed it to me, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "So that's how that one got figured out." <sighs> that's what sucks about parental guidance sometimes, right? Like it's they, terrible. They could, well, they, you know, I've I've gotten guidance like that. Like, oh yeah, make it funnier, or you know, be weirder. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, so the yeah. example that mom got from, like, this, the person at IU who reads those essays was, like, an example of, if you're being roasted, what are your friends saying about you? And that the essay was, like, describing literally being roasted on a stick. And, like, people were still saying stuff, but it was, like, taking it, you know, it was a humorous way of answering the question, but not dismissing the question. Like, the, the, thing, the thing is, like, you can't tell somebody who doesn't understand humor to be funny right (laughs) i know that more than anyone (laughs) i feel like there's a special subreddit for this kind of cringe humor 
of like people who don't get this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, speaking of pretentious, uh, I just think Xander's uh, on the road. Xander uh, cuts a little close, a little close to home for me, uh, but probably more probably. so for John, who isn't on here to defend himself. <laughs> um, but it's also funny to think of like in this world of like where vampires are, are real and stuff for people to be reading on the road. Like, I don't know. There's something about like these two worlds colliding in weird ways for me. Oh yeah. You'd think with in a world where supernatural shit exists, like basically any lessons from literature no longer apply. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's just like advice from a fourth grader. It's like, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't read any books uh, written before the Hellmouth opened, so yeah. I can't really take an account. Or does their it. version of On the Road have like, then Dean Moriarty and I ran from some vampires, but we got away. <laughs> got back on the road. I mean, did Jack Kerouac's best friend get turned into a vampire that Jack Kerouac then had to kill? <laughs> if not. Yeah, there's a, like, Mary Lou would forever be 14 to us because she turned into a vampire at 14. Um, uh, so this is weird. I took a screenshot. I'm not sharing this very well. I don't know if you can see this. There's a... So, uh, there we go. I'm, it's Wesley's yeah, yeah. doing this weird oh. thing on his chest. Just, this. just do the thing, Mike. Okay, yeah, this. yeah. Just do the thing. Oh, we all do this thing, right? We all do this. By uh, the power vested in me by the watch. He's got his two, two fingers on each of his hands kind of like on his chest together. And then he's saying like... <laughs> He says, by the power vested in me, by the Watchers Council, I forbid it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's, yeah, you got it. Yeah, so it's by the power of the Watchers Council. So I guess it's a W he's making with his uh, fingers. It's kind of what's like happening. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we haven't really gotten in deep into Watcher lore, I assume, since the series continues forever, that we will at some point. This feels like some weird Watcher shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like... I really like the idea that this is something Giles could have done at any point, but he was like, <laughs> no, Buffy will make fun of me if I do that stupid hand gesture. By the power of the Watchers Council. And like, uh, Wes just doesn't have the social skills to know the teenage girl will make fun of me. <laughs> yeah, Wes does not come off good in this episode, man. <laughs> yeah, no, this is interesting. Like a rough Wes episode. Yeah, Wes is like really beginning to lose it this episode. David, you had a point in there. Sorry, I think got cut. Oh, I, I was just gonna say it seems like real secret society shit that you know, the the, the finger crossing. Yeah, <laughs> skull like skull and crossbones. You know, it is that simple, right? That's like the secret society shit is all like gonna be like gonna be totally just like okay. See you yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the secret know. handshake is that you you know wiggle your pinky or something. <laughs> tickle the tickle the other man's palm. And by that, we shall know each other in darkness. <laughs> uh, Yoder, you also got the next point. Okay, so when Buffy and Angel are out patrolling, uh, is it really the first time that Buffy's thought about how she'll age, but Angel won't? It, it seems like it's the first time she's thought about it with any seriousness. Well, they're thinking about the future. Like, she actually thinks that she has a future this up, right? Because it's about going to college or whatever. So mm. maybe she hasn't. I, I find it difficult to believe that as well, though. <laughs> That's a good call, though, that, like, she's been living in the moment for so long. She's been purposely not thinking about the, the future because, like, we can get murdered any night. Yeah. But getting into Northwestern, that's a choice. choice. Isn't, it, isn't it just so weird, like, their weird relationship, Buffy and Angels, in this episode? Like, they're, like, kind of, like, play fighting. Or they're, like, you know, they're patrolling, they're fighting, and then they're... Having their night picnics at the end. It's like, what is this relationship? Uh, so I ask, um, is that the same crossbow face stolen in Bad Girls? It looks, it doesn't look like a very professional assassiny tool. Um, where she shoots the guy with the snake face tattoo. Uh, Wasn't it more of a longbow? It seemed like a longbow, right? Yeah, I didn't even think it was a crossbow. Oh, maybe it was a long, yeah, a longbow. I just thought it was like, uh, it looked very like huntery and not like professional murder um well speaking of that scene um not paying for weird demon shit that comes in a box seems like a huge mistake and the fact <laughs> that the mayor is like hey you didn't get paid and he's like that's cool like no it's not that's a huge problem that's the source of the demon stuff 
this like set off huge alarm bells for me. <laughs> this shit has to get resolved. This is what's going to get the mayor killed at the end of the season is whoever he killed for this. Cause like, this is so fucking, it's just, it's you can never sell character. now. How can you up? You better be invincible. <laughs> you know, you can't do that shit. That's mob shit. Yeah. Ugh. I think, it, I think, you know, that they're the mayor and faith are both like, they're like level five. And they assume most people they're going to run into are like level three or something. So they can get away with like not paying and murdering. Right. But yeah. But just like for the, the books of Ascension as well. Right. They just, they yeah. this terrible track record. Like no one should, they sh- anybody who sells antiquities or deals in that stuff should never approach them because they might be murdered. Like it just, yeah, you're right. There's they're operating no, so think- recklessly. Yeah. They're both like feeding into each other's like unstableness sort of. I played a, a D&D game, this, or it was Dungeon World, actually, but I played a game this week where my character was evil. And at the end of it, we had, like, captured this guy, or we had kind of trapped this guy, and everyone else on my, like, team was good or lawful or something. And they were, like, going to interrogate him, and I was like, I just shoot a fireball at him. And they're, like, really upset with me because they're like, no, we needed a lot more information. <laughs> like, I'm evil. <laughs> I melted him. Like no one else was going to shoot a firebolt at him. Somebody had to step up. I'll tell you what, Trick would have handled that a lot better. Yeah, that's why. That's why you know, without Trick, you know, they're not they're not following the the, the rules. I think Faith as his companion yeah. is going to totally. That's going to down the mayor. There's no other way. <laughs> They're done. She's a sloppy mess sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so Xander uh, walking into the retail store that we learned that Cordelia works in to hate to hate on her about her college situation is so fucked up. He is so angry in this episode. I assume because he didn't get into college, but like this happens twice. There's that first scene where Willow gets into school and we're all pleased and proud of her. And then like Sanders sees Cordelia is like, Hey, guess, guess how amazing my friend is. <laughs> and then he just does it again to her. And then she rebuffs it. So it's like, Hey, look, I am accepting these places like, eh, well, your daddy's money. But like, it was so upsetting to see him go out of his way to be an asshole. I guess for yeah. this weird story arc where Cordelia is like, has a job to sell see, that information. has a job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, that was so painful to watch. That's like, this can't, why? Why would it you? Feel, it actually feels more painful knowing she's at work because that's like, uh, yeah. she can't escape. She's just being harassed at work by an ex-boyfriend. This is awful. I know, right? That's terrifying. And then it's also kind of weird that she brought all those letters to work. So maybe she like had just gone home and then went from home to work to open them up, maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah, she why just... did she have that shit with her? <laughs> maybe she was just taken to school and went from school to work. I hope as an ex-boyfriend, I've never done that shit. <laughs> like brought up a, anyway. I, yeah. I, have, I don't know. Me too. I don't know. All right. Uh, why don't we talk about some fashion? Yoder's oh. fashion corner. Yeah. So my little fashion observations for this episode. I really like the colors in Buffy's spring dress, the teal and purple. Thought that looked really nice on her. Um, I also liked Willow's velvet dress with the full sleeves and the Sun Moon Wicca looking design. Yeah, but she covered up a lot of the time with that jacket that she had, but that's fine. And then I thought Xander looked really good in his uh, silky shirt as well. And uh, Cordelia was also messing around with that sparkly sleeveless dress. She would probably look really nice in that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I feel like since <laughs> I John's went, not- I went to this segment all the time. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like since John's not here to point out Xander's weird oh, yeah. sweater of the week, he's wearing like another of these weird ass homemade or made on such sweaters that says bean sprout. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for the fashion quarter, Yoder. <laughs> you're welcome. Now, does the fashion stuff in part come from the fact that you're both artists and so you have to draw clothes and you're like, hmm, I'm, you like are maybe I, more thoughtful about that? Because like some of that stuff that's big jumps out to me, but not all of it. I don't know. Just curious. That's I don't know. Question. I've just been picking it up, but I'm really not a fashion person at all. <laughs> uh, I do because I draw a lot of like female characters, I sometimes have a hard time with outfits. So I do try to pay attention and steal outfits. Like I steal a lot of outfits from Jaime Hernandez comics. Uh, <laughs> Cause he draws women pretty well. I think there's a, there's this weird visual shorthand with 
Like if you're trying to draw a female character who's not too feminine, you like give her jeans and then a skirt over the jeans. And like, that's not a real look. Like I'm trying to get away from that and just draw like actual pants. Um, Cause I feel like I haven't seen anyone wear that in real life, at least in a long time. It feels very nineties to even think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you got the next one, Yoder. Okay, uh, so I know Buffy goes on patrol and stakes vampires, but when she's grabbing the vampire for like information, and he's just sitting in his own car, minding his own business, she questions him, and then she stakes him when he gets too violent or whatever. That seems just like murder to me. <laughs> like, like, like if she's actively going after vampires, minding their own business, like that's a different story. I feel like. I'll allow it because he works <laughs> for, the for the mayor. Willow got kidnapped. Shit's got to go down. Yeah. Well, this was before Willow gets this kidnapped. Before. Well, this is just info. You can't let you can't let him live because then the mayor will know that you oh, know. Oh, that's how it's like. A, but uh, the mayor won't be suspicious of like, oh, the driver just turned to dust randomly. Yeah. Oh my god, this is such a messy episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, during it's Bad really Girls, rough. they assault vampires who are just sleeping. They. Like, uh, bust into a nest during, yeah during the they bust into a nest during daylight oh shit. Uh, that's yeah. right uh so that's how we found out about the box of gavrock um which really seeing this really indicated to me how much i've like been subconsciously stealing from buffy especially my graphic novel amelia because like it's got a box that's really similarly designed although a lot smaller um, I also thought about this like last week when they were watching the movie The Banquet of Amelia. And I was like, is that where I got that name from? <laughs> Don't think was, twice about it. So the last episode hasn't aired yet, but the the Demons Without the Mouth that were on last week, uh-huh. they they reminded me a lot of something that you would like draw, Dennis. They really <laughs> looked like... Yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like it totally looks like... Way influenced my friggin' life. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> wow. It is a cool monster, though. That's, and that's a great representation yeah. of it. Thank you. I like uh, that you're focused on the face, too, because, like, in my mind, I'm not thinking of it as just the face. I'm thinking of the whole weird body. But it is the face that's, like, the most interesting thing about that monster, because at least of the mouthlessness. So, like, that's great to draw attention to that. Um, yeah, so uh, this episode has an amazing emotional moment that made me cry, and uh, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because it's so good. But uh, in this yeah. episode, uh, when they're debating whether or not to trade the box for Willow or not, and then they could do this formula or whatever they're going to do, and then Oz just smashes the vase with the ingredients and stuff, it was incredibly emotionally powerful. Really worked. Wow, what a great moment. That really got me. It's getting me now just talking about it. So yeah. good. That's great, Mike, that you're being like emotionally affected by this show. Oh, um, I can't help it. It just got me. Oh, uh, This episode also made me cry, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, but, really? Um, different reasons. Yeah, different yeah. But like, I mean, this is, yeah, it's such a great because like, it's just an argument because Buffy like is totally on the same side as Oz, but Oz is the one who takes the action and is like boyfriend number one, this dude. Totally. Fuck Xander. He's the only good guy on Buffy. <laughs> the only good dude. Uh, Yoder. <laughs> oh, so I just feel like the smart thing would have been to use a neutral location for the exchange, not City Hall or the <laughs> school. I understand they're working with the locations they have for like the show, but even the graveyards maybe would seem more neutral, but there's vampires there. So I don't know. Uh, I feel like the mayor owns this whole town. There's no neutral town. There's no neutral space in Sunnydale. I was trying to figure out why they even had it at the school. If, like, unless they were like contractually obligated to have Armin Shimmerham have like two lines an episode, they're like, shit, we're already paying this guy two lines of dialogue. There must be some law of TV writing that they're doing because he like had the drug investigation earlier in a bag, and then they're like, oh, because this is going to look kind of like a drug bust at the school, and that's how he'll be there. And I'm like. Why the fuck does he need to be there? Except to be the person that's like, I, for the one joke, which is like, I wish you were selling drugs or whatever the yeah. joke is. It's a great, I think I, I really like that he busts in. You're totally right that it's kind of like broken, right? <laughs> so but broken. it's good. I don't know. I just like whenever Snyder's on. 
And I like what is the power dynamic now with like Snyder being the principal, but he like knows that Buffy and the mayor like are at war, but he like, <laughs> you know, like he's can't really be the principal to Buffy at this point. Cause he like knows some crazy shit's going down. And, and we know very specifically now, cause at, when we first were introduced to Snyder, it seemed like he was like working with the mayor, but obviously the mayor is not keeping him in the loop. <laughs> This reinforces band candy troubles. Yeah. That Snyder got into. The first time I watched this, I thought Snyder was working with Buffy's team because <laughs> the way he shows up, like right as the exchange goes down. And it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, wait, no, Buffy tells him to get out of there and stuff. <laughs> was this a thing in like 80s movies where like the cops and the drug dealers were having like, like, a, like a, they're having some showdown and then some innocent like third party shows up? Like I was, is that like a trope from like eighties or nineties movies? Like Probably. The, There's this, a good. Uh, this scene happens. There's a good episode of of Community called Advanced Conspiracy Theories, where <laughs> there's like a gun showdown that keeps like one upping and people keep like more people keep showing up. <laughs> <laughs> or intro to conspiracy theories. You know that one, Yoder? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're saying, though, Yoder. Like, this is a messed up location. There's only one way in or out, right? Like, it just, you know. Tons of windows. <laughs> I guess you can get out through the window. That's right. But, like, there's only one easily accessible way in or out, which, of course, they need for the spider thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everything about it seems so contrived in this, like, weird way of, like, they want a few things to happen, but I don't know why. They want to see yeah. the spiders get out. They want you know shimmerham to show up and they want it to all be self-contained in one room versus a public place or something like that or a more neutral setup so it's right. like, there's potential for so much more tension but the tension is more on the fact that the scene is so fucking weird like why why here this is such a weird space <laughs> an unused classroom like it's because it's a space they got <laughs> I th- yeah it's a set I, I think it'd be more interesting if like shimmerham if the principal sorry um, yeah. it had like um had like his own like deal going on like like he's just kind of like this person or like you know like either he's either like a third party right now it's just like a showdown between two two parties and then shimmer and the principal it's just called yeah it's that's why it's like not as cool to me because it's sort of like what's his motivation in the scene is he just he wants to be friends with Snyder. Or it's with the mayor, it's but. never occurred to me what Snyder's motivation is. Yeah. Like, he wants that drug bust. It's so late for him to be at the school. <laughs> I like uh, also that um, Xander is carrying the same bat with a hook that uh, Faith used in that Gwendolyn Post episode. Oh, oh whoa. <laughs> Weapons man. How, what, did, did you guys feel those spiders aged well? Um... You know, the, the show does a good job of keeping in them in darkness. I could yes. never see a clear... I was really looking for a clear shot to draw them, obviously. And it, uh, they just keep, keep them hidden in darkness. They're actually um, ticks. They're actually more like ticks, like body-wise. Yeah. And I, know, and I think they only had six... They're not even really arachnids. I don't know. I only saw six. I was, I was originally going to note that they're kind of bad, the CG spiders. Um but like the the one cop that dies by spider, like he does a really good job of selling that death, even though the thing does not move at all. It's just <laughs> like him fighting it and then falling down, you know? It's like being smothered by a pancake. This yeah. is actually kind of funny because the other podcast Yoder and I recorded just earlier today also involved a box and a bunch of spiders. <laughs> uh, and I, I'd say Smallville always lights things really brightly and... Uh, like everything takes place during the day so it's not as e- easy to hide it's like bad cg under under the cover of darkness as it is for buffy yeah thank you yoder for drawing attention to the hard work of that now deceased cop that was pretty phenomenal <laughs> who uh yeah he does a great job with that but then when the spider when he's dead and the spider jumps off you can see him blink oh i didn't notice that <laughs> i didn't see that well, you're not uh, counting dead bodies like Dan said. Yeah, that's true. Look closely. He's got to go there and get check their pulse. Yeah, I still counted it though. Um, I love the shot after Faith kills the spider and everything of her looking back, and it could be the shot of her looking back at the group like, "Oh, I regret this choice." But they cut specifically to the knife, and it's like, no, she just misses her knife. <laughs> so you know, she's like a serial killer. She misses her knife. <laughs> but she could go get it. But no, this is about. Hey, come on, we've got to go. 
I like yeah. that that interpretation is totally there. <laughs> That's not the interpretation. That's what happened. <laughs> All right. Um, no, she's a she's a sequence killer, David. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, we can get into that into that with themes. I'm just oh, thinking. Uh, I also the Buffy Willow college scene is the scene that made me tear up. It always makes me tear up. Um, no matter how many times I've watched this episode, uh, I just the, this show really emotionally connects with me, partially because of how much many times I've watched it and how I've watched it during different periods of my life for during emotional times with me. So this like this. When they hug and stuff, it like triggers me and I like tear up. Um, it's so rare for them to like actually hug and tell me they love each other. And, I don't know. It's a good friendship. That's all. Yeah, it's a really sweet scene. I really liked that scene also. But I didn't tear up like for me. For me, like I think I tear up more at somebody's noble, like either noble sacrifice or someone like. I don't know what what do you call the thing that Oz did where it's like you final you're like this is what we're doing now yeah and it's like when uh, you value the value you know human life over you know the mission right yeah. she pulls like a reverse Spock or he does yeah yeah right yeah the totally emotional selfish choice I love I guess like that I totally yeah. go for that other it's like they treat the willow thing like going to a uc school is this big sacrifice and i know she got into everywhere it's weird to me that sunnydale is a uc because ucs are like really good schools um i don't know they could have called it a state like because the california system has the ucs which are like i mean uc berkeley is like a high-end school so is ucla uh but then we also have like sonoma state and san francisco state which are like okay, they're more like normal state schools. So it should have been like Sunnydale State if we were going to treat it like Sunnydale's a bad school. Well, it's just... Or tech or something. I don't think it. They did, I don't think it's a bad school. It's just, it's just the local school. Yeah, but you it's... Know? I mean, but if the local school's a, a UC, like well, it's not like every like student UC going Day. to Berkeley High is like, I guess I'll go to UC Berkeley. You know, they're like... Yeah, but it's not UC Berkeley. It's UC Sunnydale. <laughs> Have you ever heard of UC Sunnydale? No. <laughs> but I've heard of like every UC. Like if you go to a UC, you're like a good student. Like you can't just in-state get in, you know? Because um, California's college system is like fucked. Um, oh, I, I guess I'm not aware of the, I guess the subtleties there. Yeah. I just, but, I you, just but your dad is a professor. So you maybe are aware of more of this shit. Okay. I get yeah. it. All right. Uh, all right, Travis, you got the final word and weird noticings. Oh yeah, just ending with Cordelia, and, you, and then there's the the little the surprise that oh no, she's not shopping at the clothing store; she's working there, working retail, working retail, which is rough. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, poor Cordelia, like she has it feels like she's hardly been in season three of Buffy since she was brutally betrayed. By- I feel like yeah, I feel like she went through an arc where. It was just about her and Xander being mean to each other. No, it's and, still ongoing. Well, that's the thing. And then it seemed like they got away from that, right? They, yeah. Like, yeah. For a few episodes, yeah. And now it's back. But I feel like she was so extra with being mean to, to the gang at the beginning of this episode. And the reveal that she's working is like some sort of indication something big is happening in her life that we're yeah. not seeing, right? So it kind of makes more sense of why she'd be mean to... Like extra mean. Yeah. I know. If only we had like a special, like, uh, just episodes dedicated to Cordelia's, like, what's going on in her life at this moment? That's, oh man, you know, if this show was airing now, then oh there'd be God. like web exclusive episodes. There'd be webisodes. Yeah. Oh. And it would be like positioned as like Cordelia's fashion blog, right? Oh, that'd be rad. So why, yeah. why is she working retail? Do we learn about why? We don't know. Not this episode. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I thought this was really amazing about this episode was that it's almost like an alternate reality because this is there's still no cell phones in, in like this show anywhere. And it just it's just amazing like just to watch this. No one's like there's no there's just no like nothing's tied to a cell phone plot or you know, texting or taking pictures or anything like that. So yeah it's and it's it's just like it's just right before cell phones become uber popular that's a big thing like especially in horror stories now where like that's the new riddle is like solve for the cell phone 
right? Like everybody has to be in the woods where you're not getting reception or because so many plots get solved for it. That's actually one of the things I'm trying to do with my new upcoming graphic novel, novel Whisper in the Woods, is I'm not trying to solve for a cell phone. I'm trying to have the cell phone be active the entire time and have that instead of deter from the plot, contribute to it. So like the monster they find is going to like be posted on YouTube or, you know, something, you know, just like I'm going to try to use the cell phone as a device instead of like a hindrance. Can I go off on a tangent? Now you, 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 you too, David and Dennis, you guys are kind of horror gurus. I'm when the horse, when the horse came out, or sorry, when the car, when the car came out, were there like horror, like, like stories that had to solve for the cars that didn't know that no longer worked because there were cars and like people could get from one village to another so quickly. There wasn't a monster that could catch them. And they're like, car ran out of oil. <laughs> Cars, tires got popped. First thing the monster attacked was those tires. Akron be damned. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I would immediately like think about the original Dracula novel and how that was about the clash of like modern technology versus the old ways, right? And they like that Dracula couldn't figure out like shorthand or that his voice was recorded on like wax cylinders and stuff. Um, yeah, they, I, I'm just listening to the Dracula on the uh, book on tape right now again. Oh, but, yeah. Oh. So like they do kind of solve for technology in the beginning part because they send him to a remote place yeah. um, that doesn't have the technology, you know, so they kind of solve for it initially. But I would just love to read some horror comics that had to solve for, you know. Solve for the car. For That's the car, an interesting right? Idea. Like... So when did the car come out? It was like turn of the turn of the twentieth century. So like maybe well, like, you know, like mass, most people mass, left cars. Like, four, I think was was like mass. The Model T was like nineteen oh something. Yeah. So uh, I guess like it would have if it showed up anywhere, it would probably be in like an Edgar Allan Poe short story or something, right? Uh, I don't I think don't, you ever really mentioned cars. I, I'm sure the nineteen tens, nineteen teens, and the Roaring Twenties, they definitely had to solve for cars in some of their in some like fiction, like Dude, fiction. That's brilliant i feel like you could totally uh just have a separate blog which is just like solve for technology which is yeah. like when stories or you know in horror when like they have to solve a technology like they're they're trying to wrap the story around a, a frame where the technology can't help people <laughs> because <laughs> this technology is introduced to help people and prevent situations like that like yeah like the cell phone range thing i mean i, I it's I, it's really fun to hear this sorry Oh yeah, it's. It, I think I've seen. I've seen some other stuff for other vampire-related stuff where, like, they had to solve for the existence for digital cameras, or um, you know, can a digital camera capture an image that a that a film camera couldn't, or right. you know, genome sequencing and all this other stuff that like could totally ruin the plot. Um, but I feel like Buffy's pretty smart. I mean, I don't. I don't yeah. feel like there's so many problems that would only be able to be solved with a cell phone. Uh, I do think they could. But the, the the like existence of a monster problem that isn't an international problem is a is like always going to be an issue for this show. It feels like where hey, there's there's a hell mouth that's opened. This information should be able to everyone. <laughs> They're still going to school like it's not a thing. Uh, that's really fucked up. I feel like the the show is just not dealing with that versus like like that being a technology problem. Like, oh, we don't have newspapers. We don't have ways to share this information. Like, all that shit exists. It's just like, no, this is Buffy's problem. <laughs> I guess the reason it comes to mind is, is two reasons. One, you know, it must logic for when we were in all in high school, you know, we didn't have cell phones. Or, you know, it wasn't part of our daily life. We had beepers, but the whole second thing. But I wasn't. Well, yeah. I did. Um, you know, and actually, oh, I shouldn't say that. Okay. Um, um but uh and then then there's talk of of doing a buffy reboot but that's a whole separate thing we can talk about but it's it's just well, i was just gonna say if, if buffy happened now like cell phones the main thing i feel like it would maybe change besides the gang interacting would be like then kids would have an app to know if vampire attacks were going on that night or like if the bronze was safe to go to oh, or something like that you know like yeah. it would like it would just tell you like if it's safe to go out that night kind of thing yeah, I would just yeah, and so the re, uh, the whole idea of a Buffy re, a Buffy reboot would be it's just different with like this technology because it just seems so like it just seems so antiquated right now. Yeah, uh, there's a season like, four episode I'm thinking of I can't talk about yeah. where they have a lot of communication problems that would have just been solved if people could text. Uh. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we'll keep going. Sorry to derail us. 
No, that's good. That was a good tangent. Um, so let's move on to questions for the group. Uh, and if, if you're one of the 10 people who watch YouTube, can you please, and you know of an instance where a horror comic had to be, or a horror had to be like solved for a car, tell us, please. I want to know. Uh, you know what, Travis, I'll do a vlog about that one. That's a good problem. That sounds fun. Okay. Uh, Mike, you got the first question for the group. Questions for the group. Hey, what college were your parents hoping for? Uh, do you remember that problem of trying to make your parents happy while also applying for schools? I feel like I just made my parents so unhappy my entire high school career that they were just happy I got into a college. Um, so, I mean, they were a little like frustrated. I didn't apply to more art schools because they knew I wanted to be an artist, but I just wanted to go to a, a real school. Um, but, traditional you went to an amazing school yeah uh but yeah they weren't you know the they already at that point had like accepted i was an academic failure and they had my brother with his like academic academic genius to like count on <laughs> uh but i know like i know my dad didn't put as much pressure on me as your dad's put on you guys mike and trev yeah well, um, I mean, I think my parents were, uh, you know, gosh, college, gosh, you know, pre, pre Y2K college at that or, or Y2K college is, is what we should call it. But uh, uh, <laughs> I think we could just call it college. I, yeah. I don't think you have to fix it with the technology aspect. It's not no, a Y2K no, it problem. Was, it was sort of a, um, well, back then, you know, you moved away. There wasn't Skype and, you know. Cell phone. Anyways, there was just a lot of you know. A lot of phone different. cards were involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was so I I went to college in the local version of UC Sunnydale, which was uh, a state school with John and Kara. So that's why the end of this episode makes me very warm and fuzzy because we all had gone to the original, the same university, local university. weren't fighting vampires, but you know, can't have everything, I guess. Um, they were reasonably happy. I ended up changing schools, which they were reasonably happy about, but then they, uh, they never seemed really upset, but they think they wanted me to apply to more colleges farther away and um, harder to get into college, harder to get in colleges, but um, that just wasn't, yeah. yeah. If I had any regrets, it was that I didn't apply to the college that Mike applied to, but we didn't even like coordinate college applications, but no, I don't shows. recall. We didn't coordinate anything. But. That was just, yeah, senior year was just a very strange time in our lives. Yeah. To be fair. Def. Uh, <laughs> uh, my parents were very supportive of me. I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia. That I pursued comics, you know, there. Very expensive. I feel like they'll take you pretty much if you, like, get approved for the loans or whatever. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I do, I don't, at the time thinking like, well, if I had like just gone to Purdue or something and pursued like a general education, like it would have been a completely free college education pretty much like with my grades and stuff. So I think about that sometimes. Hmm. I want to point out off college loans. Yeah. Right now that Yoder has the most comic book education, I think of maybe anybody alive in, in America. Well, J.P. Coovert has the same. Well, okay, here's where you beat J.P. Coovert, actually, is because... Who's um, J.P. Coovert? Can you just educate us a little bit? Sorry, he's, a, he's another cartoonist who was in my grade at the... Uh, in my class at the Center for Cartoon Studies. Okay. Um, he does Simple Routines. He's a good cartoonist. Okay. Uh, so both Yoder and J.P. went to um, uh, SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, on the comic book program for undergrad, and then went to the Center for Cartoon Studies for grad school. So that's like a shit ton of co comic book education. Yeah. But Yoder yeah. also completed a Joe Kubert class. Um, I, I, I did one correspondence course through the mail, but I, I thought I told you, maybe I didn't tell you. I never actually completed it. I did like oh, no. three or so of the five assignments. Um, well, the thing I was frustrated about was that I enjoyed it a lot. And it was really interesting to get the artwork back with like critique of a, tracing paper with you know suggestions of what to change and stuff over it but i 
I did it because of Wizard Magazine. They showed what it was like to go through one of the correspondence courses. And I chose the same course and it was all the exact same lessons. Like, so like I knew, you know, that the, the next steps was going to be the exact same thing. And it was also like the summer in between high school and college. So I already knew I was going to SCAD. So I kind of just like let it slip by. Okay. I just, I just wanted, yeah. You have like a <laughs> lot of comic book education. Well, yeah. Cause I remember you Too were much. choosing between the Kubert one and the CDC, right? Yeah. Yeah. I applied and got into the Kubert school, but they were like so mainstream, man. Your stuff is too mainstream for them? No, no, no. They were way too mainstream. They even asked me, like, why would you want to apply here if you want to make your own comics and not start working on superhero comics? And I was like, whoa, I guess I don't. But Steve Bissett went to uh, the Joe Kubert School. I mean, he did. He's in the graduate for the first year of the program. So I feel like I got the Kubert, all the Kubert knowledge I would have wanted to get from Steve anyway. That's weird. That's awesome. Have both of you worked on superhero comics? Uh, I've worked on Vampirilla. It's as close to superhero comics as I've gotten. <laughs> I've just, yeah, I've just done my own stuff. Okay. No, I was just curious. I, I wonder, like, that's the reason you want to do comics is to do superhero stuff. I didn't mean for the college thing to be like, hey, what did you want to do in your life? I really meant it to be like, <laughs> what does your parents want you yeah. to do? You know, which is what you know, like, obviously Joyce is so excited that Buffy is getting Northwestern. Uh, for me, um, my dad had invested a lot of money in my college education, but he put money aside only for schools in Ohio. So I had this big limiting fucking thing. And so I got into Tufts and I could have gone to MIT and uh, that would have been really cool, but uh, wow, I felt limited by the money part of it. Whereas like, well, I don't want to escape the world. So I was looking for a college that was away from where my parents lived. Uh, and that was important to me. So I went to OU, but like, I, I think my dad, my, my parents were mostly disappointed with my major. They wanted me to be either an acting major or an engineering major. And so when I chose English literature, it was like, what the fuck? You can't have a kid. You can't control what they do. This is He's terrible. just burning our money. <laughs> I so, also like that somehow acting is more legitimate than English. <laughs> well, I, I got an acting scholarship at a different school at uh, Miami Oxford. And so I could have done acting there, but uh, it was... That's too close, man. It was too close to home. <laughs> so I had to move further away. That sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, my brother also got into Georgetown and a bunch of other schools that he could have gone to. But I mean, I don't know, just to like be able to escape more but being limited by that. Well, you, and, you know, it's all like fictional limitations. It's all stuff that your parents impose on you that are not real. But at the time I felt were very real. But I, I didn't want to do an engineering thing, but Tufts was interesting to me because I liked that campus and I liked that school. In retrospect, I feel like I should have gone there. But uh, I didn't feel comfortable because my dad was so, he's like, oh, it's so expensive. And that's literally all your parents have to say to like kill your dream, right? Which is just like, nah, that's really pricey. Like, okay, never doing it. Yeah. Uh, my life's going to go a completely different direction now. <laughs> I, yeah, I get what you, I, I just feel like I've wasted too much time in my life. Like, um, feeling like I could have gone a different course or I could have done, like, I just feel like, the past is done and you know i'm on the path i'm on and like there's not a point at this point of like be in retrospect looking at things <laughs> i mean not in a like bitter way not to be like i mean obviously in the future i'll make i'll hopefully make better choices but <laughs> i don't know what you're speculating on dennis this sounds very personal oh uh, yeah i guess so sorry i just like the thing you said about like in retrospect i should have done this is like Oh yeah, I can't control yeah. that shit. I'm not. I'm not beating myself up about it. I'm just like in the context of this conversation. Like that's what I wanted to do, but I was dissuaded from doing. And since I mean, I love OU and I love that college experience. It was great. Like I wouldn't replace that. But it's still like, I I definitely felt the parental like, yeah, you should do this. And I'm sure Buffy is like, oh Northwestern, and like that'll be a fight in my mind where it's like, oh we should have gone to Sunnydale. Oh, well, I think Buffy's mom. I mean, I'm sorry, should have gone Northwestern, not Sunnydale. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, wants her to both go to a better college and like escape the hellmouth, right? Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's number one, and maybe then getting into a great college is number two. It's just like yeah. getting away from the hellmouth, yeah. But hell is other people, and they have uh, mouths. Uh, <laughs> Dennis, I'm personally very excited about the direction that your life is going. I feel like I'm very, very proud of you. I'm glad to be a 
part of this journey with you. I'm very excited. Thanks, buddy. Well, I do. I relate with what you were saying, Dennis. Like I, I like I was talking about with my college choices. That's a big thing that I go back on, thinking about like, well, if I'd gone like the safe route and gone to Purdue or whatever, like I, I would have less debt and I would have be down a different road. But it, yeah, it would be a different road. I wouldn't know the same people I know now and everything. So you just have to be okay with what you have and what you are. SCAD is such a rad school too, man. When I've been to Savannah, living in Florida for a while, like Savannah's amazing. And then when you visit any of the SCAD campus stuff and like just there's art galleries everywhere, like SCAD just seems like such a rad experience. Yeah, visiting there pretty much sealed the deal once I went to visit the school. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, uh, Yoder, you got the next um, question. We're not even in themes, man. We're just barreling through this, guys. Questions. I thought you had one, like Dennis, right? I thought Dennis, you had the one about buying drugs. No, oh, it's just a joke. When you buy oh, yeah. drugs, do you like to, <laughs> do you like the exchange to be a giant conspicuous box? Medieval looking. <laughs> that could be really good or really bad if it's like so diluted that that's why they're giving it to you in a big box. Or I guess nobody will ever suspect this midnight drugs. exchange of a giant box to be drugs. Uh, Right, I will say modern drug exchanges though when you buy weed from places in Portland it is they just put it in like a Ziploc bag that is like coated like covered or like a plastic bag like a and that part feels like how drug dealers should have always been doing it and when you get it like that you're like oh this is they found the solution it's a bag but it's concealed and it can right. be airtight so there's no smell oh my it's god you're geniuses this it's ziploc just, that's been wrapped three times oh my god no i've totally yeah mostly to hell real drug dealers give you <laughs> drugs in uh, bags that they get from the grocery store uh you know, professional drug dealers give you stuff in like sealable bags that can't get light in and they're airtight. Oh, fucking. Anyway. All right. So, are we doing the theme that I have? Is that what you're saying? Or no, questions? you got a question. Have you, ever, a question. have you ever had someone lay out exactly why you shouldn't do something and then you like, and then you do it anyway? Yeah. Like, say your roommate tells you, hey, that ice building up in the fridge is there. You shouldn't use a knife to attack it to try to break up the ice. Like that sort of thing, or uh, <laughs> just kind of, kind of how like you know the mayor tells Buffy and Angel that like this is not going to work out, but they kind of choose to ignore it anyway. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up that real example. <laughs> I want to know more about the real example. Uh, when Yoder and I were living together, we had a freezer that had a serious like uh, ice problem. The it would just keep building up. And I told him, whatever you do, don't stab it with ice because you'll stab one of the like, stab it with a knife. I used a knife just like Faith has in this episode and I was <laughs> stabbing at it. No. And then all the Freon sprayed in his face and the yeah. fridge died. And Yeah. <laughs> so David, I will say with this question, you've really unlocked what it's like to be married. So like you know, <laughs> It's like perfectly defined in a single question that's never been articulated to me, but that is exactly what it's like. Where your spouse is constantly, I'll just make it very clear. Your spouse is constantly setting up problems for you to solve and then tells you exactly how to solve them. And then you're like, yeah, but I'm gonna do this other way because I can't trust you to the same level that I trust myself because I'm married to you and you know, whatever. I, I feel like I'm curbing in another direction more recently where I am listening to exactly what my wife suggests as the first thing if, you know, it sounds smart. But, like, there's this weird instinct to be like, nah, I'm doing my other thing. I'm a rebel. <laughs> just because you're telling me what to do in a voice that sounds like an adult. Where'd you get that adult voice? You just picked up this damn Jack Kerouac book and now we won't do anything he's told. <laughs> yeah. But it, that, that scene is super strange. I mean, the mayor giving advice like that, but it kind of fits with his character of, you know, kind of, the big reveal, Mike. This was when he revealed he's 100 or, or he's 90 years old or whatever, right? Uh, no, we, we, we knew his age. Last episode, right? No, no. He's like, when my Edna. Yeah, yeah he reveals but, about his past relationship. But not oh, okay. We knew he's 100. Yeah. They do the research and they find the photo and they're like, like oh, father, yeah. like son. How about like exact same guy, like exact same guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, that's a fun supernatural reveal. I still don't know what kind of monster he is, though, right? Because they haven't really defined what that is. Yeah, some Im- immortal human demon-looking mofo. Seems like they should <laughs> dig in on that, but, you know, they're busy. Yeah, they got three more episodes. <laughs> We're yeah, it's getting so close to the end. 
plenty of time to resolve all this. (laughs) So I have a stupid question. If you guys have played the Buffy video games or not, but in the video games, can Willow attack vampires with pencil magic? That seems like the spell that she would get now that I've seen it happen twice. Uh, I don't know. We haven't played it, but um, Dingo Action... uh, has and will maybe answer because he's answered our, our video game questions oh, that's right i could see that being the move if it was like a side scroller like arcade beat them up game where you're just like going through his willow like you can throw pencils that way i don't know you know what if they ever made a mortal Kombat version of buffy that would be her like fatality it'd be like a swarm of pencils <laughs> and that would be she'd say like number two <laughs> And, and Xander would put on a combat helmet and he would become a soldier. Or oh, something. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect uh, of the era answer, too, to, to actually reference Mortal Kombat. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you. All right. Uh, before we get into themes and deep stuff, why don't we do uh, recommendations? Recommendations. Um, so I recommend the movie Dune because that's got my favorite box. Uh, it has the line, you know, to, to the answer to the question, what's in the box? Pain is in the box. <laughs> so I recommend that. And then for spiders, I recommend Kingdom of the Spiders with uh, William Shatner. Catwoman of the Moon with a giant goofy spider. Um, <laughs> this night I will per- possess your corpse which is the second of the Coffin Joe movies, who's a Brazilian like horror host who's been, who made like movies for 20 years that are all about him trying to find a bride. Uh, but this <laughs> night I will possess your corpse is the one with the spiders. And I think spiders come from a box in that movie too. Um, and then Undercover Blues with <laughs> Dennis Quaid and Kathleen Turner. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, and now Has anyone actually seen that movie in this group? Yeah, I no, think, I've totally seen it. I've oh, seen it a couple yeah. times even, yeah. I think I saw it when I was visiting my grandma's. Like, it was on HBO. She had HBO, so there was a bunch of... It was very, like, the kind of movie you'd be able to find on HBO in the 90s. <laughs> terrible title. Just terrible. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to themes. Let's get deep. Deep stuff. So choices, I think, refers to the choices one makes to make them who they are. And in this case, uh, with Faith, she's choosing her path to go down the path of evil with the mayor. And in the end, uh, like Dennis says, she could be looking back at the knife that she's leaving behind. But I think she's choosing to go with the mayor and instead of looking in, instead of going with the or staying with the Scooby Gang. And maybe she's looking at the knife, though, but just thinking of leaving it behind as a gift for Buffy. That was my reading. (laughs) A gift. A gift for her love. Um, I think the choices refers to both the college choice, the the major choice about whether to abandon Willow or not, like to sacrifice Willow or not. And then the larger overseason arc of like, does the chosen one have a choice? And in this episode, we, you know, they say faith could have been something like faith made the choice to no longer be a slayer, but to be evil. Um, so we kind of hit all these different periods of choice. Um, but speaking of faith, leaving a gift for um, Buffy, I was looking at, I was trying to figure out uh, if this is the first time Willow has killed a vampire or not. And I found, I couldn't find that information out, but I found, Oh shit, if I haven't deleted it. Um, oh, somebody ranked all the times people had killed somebody, or like, and it said Faith, like, this many vampires, this many demons, this many humans, and then Buffy's heterosexuality. <laughs> I just, I oh. thought that was really amusing. Killed I think, it. I think the final choice is, is like how the, how the Buffy, how the Scooby Gang chooses to uh, treat each other, like, you know, vis a vis Cordelia and Xander. Um, maybe they finally made the choice to not be so hateful towards one another, but we'll see. We or see. conversely, it could be how Willow has that speech that they've kind of chosen to move on from faith. Like exactly. they've let her go and th- that she's not worth saving anymore. It's too late. Yeah. That's a harsh. Yeah. Oh, that's r- Oh man. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so uh, next episode, we're going to be watching The Prom. So I hope everybody brings their dates. I hope nobody goes stag. <laughs> I just, we're just going to talk about prom all next episode. Our yeah. own horrible prom experiences. Bring your prom stories. Um, oh, this uh, is, I've been regretting uh, this. I'm not looking forward to this one. I'm, I'm glad like, I'm not on that one. Oh, I didn't like my original prom. I've, I've been horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. You can find my comics online. Just search for my name, D-E-N-I-S-S-T-J-O-H-N. Uh, and I'm going to be, by the time this episode airs, I'm going to be on an episode of the podcast Funny Book Splatter talking about my collection, Land of Many Monsters. And Is many it Funny Book Splatter or Splatter? Splatter. Like Splatter. Uh, and Mike, how's your VR vlog? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I will have v- blogged, vlogged about so many things since uh, th- when this episode airs. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I just uh, on YouTube, Michael Poli. Look me up uh, on Twitter, Michael Poli. That's it. I'm, I'm vlogging about my weird experiences in VR chat. So uh, if you want to hear about that uh, or see it, uh, I've got an interesting uh, vlog up there about my experiences visiting the Great Lasagna and all about that, hanging out with lasagna people. All right, and you can find us online everywhere. We're Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. BuffyVirgin.com. Buffy Virgin uh, YouTube. Uh, so many ways. All right, uh, and please uh, like and subscribe and all that. And we'll see you at the prom. By the Watchers, Watchers Council. Council. Oh, By the Watchers Council. <laughs> Council. We will see you.